Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I've been sober for 997 days. That's what my app says on my phone. And I put in that if I spent $6 a day on average with wine consumption, which was pretty minimal, to be honest, that I've saved almost $6,000 in the time that I have stopped drinking. And in that time, my life has changed 365 degrees. I forget almost. And that reminded me of something that I remember we talked about in the rooms that was about our forgetter. That is addicts where we have good forgetters and that as soon as things kind of start going better for us, we forget how absolutely miserable our lives were and we go back to whatever it was that was controlling us. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit today because I need the reminder I still am just going in the direction that I feel like spirit is guiding me to do this podcast and the website recoveryoursoul.net and to become a minister and to do coaching. And it doesn't feel like it's coming from me. It really feels like it's an intuitive force to um, to do this. And I don't know what it's going to be in the long run. And that actually is relief to me that I don't have to be thinking years ahead But I do recognize that I have to have a daily practice of my spiritual journey because I have a great forgetter. And just the other day, my husband and I were talking about how now that our lives are not chaotic, 
that we're not fighting every day, that um, we're not miserable, that it can be easy to think like, oh, like a beer would be really nice or a glass of wine or you see fancy cocktails on TV or commercials. And and this part of you wants to experience that and you think, oh, I, I could go back to that because, you know, I've got it under control now. And I think that the gift of being in the second time of recovery is I know that that's absolute crap. And so what I have needed to do recently is to remind myself, and I think that's part of going into the rooms of recovery, is that reminder and seeing new people who are in fresh and people have been doing it for a long time, that reminder that this is not something that you can just say you're rid of and go back. That when you go back, you're actually going back to a behavior and a life that will soon be as bad or worse as it was before. And the forgetter is an interesting thing, right? So it's like this sabotage that we have for ourselves. And so I wanted to remind myself where I came, how far I've come. And it's almost like it's a whole different person. And I imagine that I'm not the only person that feels that way because it has the promises in the big book. And the promises say that our lives will be changed. And so what the forgetter says, and I had the forgetter the last time, you know, I, I had been in recovery, I had done the work, I had been going to meetings. And, and then, well, it was two, it was twofold. One was, you get this feeling that this time you can manage it different. And it could be alcohol, it could be any of our addictive traits that we have, it could be alcohol, it could be pot, it could be shopping, it could be relationships. I know a lot of people who have become addicted to the dating apps and that positive kick that you get from having somebody respond and the texting back and forth. It could be the shopping and the going out and getting the great buy of something that that you find that's on super sale and it feels really good. It could be the TV shows where you mesh yourself with the personalities and the shows it's anything that we do that almost becomes a craving, does become a craving, that covers up our feelings and begins to be where we put our energy instead of ourself. And some of those things, the serotonin and endorphin cravings that come from relationship addiction or shopping or video gaming or gambling are equally as powerful as the ones that have the actual physical addiction of alcohol or drugs because they react to our brain and how our brain desires those feelings and takes over. And I have to remind myself because this life that I have right now, which is one of peace and levity and happiness and real joy, real tenderness, real connection with my higher power 
that has a lightness to it, where the world is going on as crazy as it is out there, but inside my own heart and my own soul, I feel a sense of peace that I've never felt before. It is a new feeling. And yet I can feel that I need desperately to tend it, to nurture it, to almost like a, like I am my own garden, that I must water it, that I must fertilize it, that I need to make sure that on a daily, I'm giving myself the treatments that I need to have my spiritual garden grow. So what I I have to remember is I was not able to not drink for a single day. And I have to remember that who I was was not enjoyable all the time to the people around me. And as my husband and I were laying in bed the other night talking about that piece that kind of comes in and goes, oh, maybe I could, you know, just have a beer or, oh, that margarita looked really, really good. We both agreed that it's not worth even beginning to think about losing the life that we have right now, the life that we have recreated together. And I think that I'm blessed because I have a partner who is in recovery with me and that if I didn't have him to have to be accountable to, and then if I didn't have my 12-step groups to be accountable to, if I didn't have you to be accountable to, they could be easy to let that forgetter become stronger and the cravings and the addiction of, of just thinking that you can manage it or that you can handle it would take over. And that's why in all spiritual practices, the end of the spiritual practice is that you have to continue the spiritual practice. And in addiction, it's not just the quitting the addiction. And some addictions are much harder to let go of than others. Not having that substance or that behavior is a good first step. But we need to allow ourselves to have the spiritual awakening to actually find peace and happiness and joy in our lives. And that's where the rubber hits the road. In the spiritual studies for my ministerial schooling, in the very beginning, it says that you can have all the knowledge in the world, but it isn't until you demonstrate that knowledge, until you actually live it and feel it that it will start to work for you, that the connections and the grace will come. And for me, that's, that's really what I think has changed in me, is that in the past, it was all in my head as thoughts and ideas and concepts, and I hadn't really let it in yet. So I have to remind myself, that my life before on a weekday looked like waking up, not feeling good, having a headache, being extremely groggy and tired in the morning, often hungover, feeling sick. Depending on what the night before had been, I remember looking at the mirror in the mirror at myself and looking myself in the eyes 
and wondering who that person was, like just how empty that person felt. And just feeling like, oh, another day. Got to go do another day. Going through work, wanting work to be over, being grumpy, being easily upset, feeling frustrated that the people around me weren't following whatever directions I had or, or being irritable and discontent about sort of how things were going. Feeling rewarded when I actually had made a suggestion that got followed and things went well for somebody that that was, that was my great reward. That if I could, if I could control something and it went well, that was great. That was my goal. And then when it didn't go that way, I was frustrated. Based on the last episode about forgiveness, I realized how much of my life was spent in that space, that kind of that story victim space of how people weren't, or my family or my coworkers, you know, that it just wasn't going right, that it just wasn't going the way that I thought it should go. And I spent a lot of time in that space. And wanting to connect with people, wanting to be real, but there was, it's almost like there was a veil, like a fog between me and other people because my brain wasn't right. I was constantly fogged from drinking. And so the end of the day would be coming and I got off work at four o'clock and I couldn't wait to get off of work. And if I didn't have alcohol already at home, my first stop on the way home was the liquor store. And it's interesting to think like how you just walk in and how you immediately feel like this is going to solve it. This is going to make me feel better. I'm, I'm finally going to feel ease that that uncomfortableness is going to be relieved and I was a I was a wine and vodka drinker, so I'm also incredibly economically cheap, I guess. And I wouldn't buy, you know, nice bottles of wine because I, I knew that I didn't really care about the quality of the wine. I wanted the best cheap wine that I could get or the best cheap vodka that I could get. So, you know, Moscow mules in the summer and wine the rest of the year and... So I, you know, bought boxes or large bottles of wine. And then my ritual was I would come home and the first thing I would do is I would pour myself a glass of wine and take the dog for a walk. That was my favorite part of the day. To be outside in beautiful Colorado on the path that's not far from my house with my glass of wine and my dog. And that was the most peaceful moment of my life. And I would enjoy the flowers and I would notice the trees and the birds. And that was everything that I was looking for was that moment. And there's no doubt that for me, alcohol does something. There's a relief and a euphoria and a sort of a joy that comes from it, but it's short-lived when you've drank most of your adult life, there it feels really good, but it takes more to get that feeling 
And then that feeling, like it's like a switch clicks. And then I would come back from the walk with the dog and my empty glass of wine and life would be at my house, my husband and my kids and chaos. And now I wasn't drinking because I wanted to have that euphoric moment of being in nature and connecting with the fact that my day was done. Now I was drinking because this chaotic life was too much for me. Now I was drinking to shut it down. And it's hard to even remember at this point how that all felt because it's so different. But I remember having conversations with myself that I couldn't drink enough. I knew I couldn't drink enough to completely get rid of my feelings. And I had gotten smart enough over the years to quit drinking so much that I would get sick. But I knew that it was toxin and I knew that it was poison. And I knew that it was making me unhappy. But that had become what I perceived as the solution. And I look now and I think about it and I'm sad. I'm sad because I missed a lot of years that I could have had a different state of mind, that I could have been more connected with my kids, that I could have been more connected with my husband. And the other night when we were both talking about that craving that comes, the forgetter, that is saying like, oh, well, you guys are good now and, and you've got your lives together and you could, you know, you could pick it up and you could take care of it, that we reminded each other that we didn't like who the other person was when we were drinking. I didn't, I didn't actually like a lot of how my husband behaved when he drank and he didn't like how I behaved when I drank. And thank goodness we have that ability to still be together and have the clarity to look each other in the eye and say, I adore you, but I didn't, I didn't like that aspect of you, that that you was not you. And I have to remember because it just is like a dream. It's like, I can't believe that that was my existence for 25 years, but it was. And I know that I have to continue to work my program and my spiritual path. And part of that program and spiritual path has to be to remind myself of who that person was, to remind myself that I used to black out, to remind myself that I would go to parties and embarrass my husband with the things that I would say. And I actually don't know who that person was. We watched a movie the other night about somebody who, you know, is one person and then this other person shows up in there and is talking to them and is this as if they're real. And then, of course, it's a Stephen King. And of course, in the end, they're the same person, this kind of good and evil. And I feel like I have that. I have the true whole, healthy, spiritual, higher self, Rachel, that is my true connection with my higher power, that knows who I am, that loves myself, that has potential, that has a light that shines in the world. And then I have this other self, this addict self, 
who is afraid, who doesn't want to deal with life, who can be easily controlled with the substance, who wants to shut down, who doesn't want to be here. And I am grateful that that aspect of myself is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every day. But I have to continue to do the work to help me grow that stronger sense of myself. And my ministerial studies, it talked about how if we could eliminate our negative traits, the potential of the world would be available to us. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if you could just say, I'm not going to feel worthless anymore. I am worthy. And that was it. Man, you could just, that'd be gone forever. That's a lifelong journey right there to work on that. And through working the steps and through spiritual studies to really look at those negative traits, those aspects of myself, to come face to face with them and be ready to rid myself of them. And on a daily, daily practice to do the work of separating myself from the addict Rachel and to connect more and more and more to my higher self has brought me to this whole other person. And today I can't even fathom being in the day that I used to have. My day now is I wake up every morning with a lightness in my heart. I lay in bed in the morning. I have this amazing ability to not have to be jump up and be at work at eight o'clock in the morning. And I, I do this meditation kind of in between when you're not awake and you're still kind of asleep, that it's a gratitude of my life. And then I wake up and I do meditation or spiritual reading. I have coffee with my husband. We, we talk, we get to know each other better. We share our lives in a way that is completely new and different. I start my day saying, lead me where you need me. Let me be of service. And I go to a job that I love and I ask how I can be of service. And I'm not craving and thinking constantly about when I'm going to be done so that I can start drinking. So that I can have that quote unquote relief. The relief is in my heart already. And then when work is done, it's kind of like the whole evening is available for whatever it may be. I make meals. I spend time with my friends and my husband. I play music. We watch shows. We have fun. We laugh. We go to the gym. And I don't feel foggy. I don't feel like my brain's not 100%. I feel connected to people. I feel present when I'm with people. I want to connect. And when I drive by a liquor store now, I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it, but I have to remember where I was before because I don't want to go back there. I need to stay accountable to you. I need to stay accountable to my family. I need to stay accountable to the people in my 12-step program. And I need to remember so that I can continue to grow my true higher self. So thank you for being with me while I am in the process of remembering who I am and why I will not pick up another drink today. Namaste. 
Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that would allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.